Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com and the Pewter Report podcast. It is a Thursday edition of the show. Of course, we always save the best for last as we spend today's episode talking about the targets that the Bucks will have at the Combine. Of course, we're talking about the player prospects, a number of invitees to this year's NFL Combine, which will be taking place in Indianapolis. And Peter Report will be there starting next week. We get there Monday evening, and we'll be there the whole week to bring you all of the top and premier Bucks coverage. We'll get into more of that later. We're going to talk about some recent news with the Buccaneers as well, because the coaching hirings do not stop with this team, which is cool. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow colleague from PeterReport.com, Adam Slavon. Adam, what is going on, dude? What's going on, dude? Matt, nice to be on here with on the podcast with you. Uh, going over a lot of different combine targets at various positions uh, yeah. later in the show. But first, we have to get to uh, the coaching hire. Uh, another guy with some pretty good experience, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. So the latest bit of news that came out today, the Bucks uh, announced some of their hirings, including including uh, uh, was it Brian McClendon and Brian Picucci, who we had uh, previously had spoken about. But one of the newest hires um, is Josh Grizzard, who is the new Bucks passing game coordinator. And um, he comes from the Miami Dolphins. He spent seven years on the Dolphins staff under three different head coaches, which I find quite interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see. Just looking at some more of the, the read up on him. I mean, a lot of time in Miami, which I think is pretty big. And another thing to point out that Scott Reynolds talks about in his article on Josh Grizzard is that the Bucks did not have a passing game coordinator last season under Dave Canales, but they will with Liam Cohen as the new offensive coordinator. So, Adam, just, uh, you know, not expecting <laughs> – Coach Riz, as uh, Tom says, great comment <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, not expecting you to know the complete autobiography of him, but just your overall thoughts about getting Grizzard from Miami, who obviously has a pretty prolific game when it comes to throwing the football, which will obviously be his expertise. Yeah, uh, so overall, I like the hire of Josh Grizzard uh, based on – how prolific Miami's offense was last season in the passing game. And then as well as that, also having Mike McDaniel to learn from, being that quality control coach. You see a lot of behind the scenes of how he coordinates his offense. And then when you look at it, the pass game coordinator, he's someone that redesigns the passing attack. He gives input week in and week out and also kind of helps develop a young receiver room outside of Mike yeah. Evans and Chris Godwin. When you're looking at next season, some someone will have to step up, whether that's Trey Palmer, uh, Rakim Jarrett, Devin Tompkins. I think he helps in that regard. My only concern is adding another voice to the room. Uh, if Baker Mayfield's yeah. a quarterback next season, you have Liam Cohen, who he's familiar with, uh, Fad Lewis, but then another guy that he has to talk with. Interested to see that dynamic, but overall, I would say it's a pretty solid hire. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up just having another voice for hopefully Baker Mayfield to deal with. Because I know that was kind of an issue towards the end of the run for Jameis Winston when he was with the Buccaneers. It was like, all right, 
Like now you got Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians and um, Clyde Christensen. His name was slipping me for a moment there. Like and and Thad Lewis. So now you go into the situation where you have a new offensive coordinator. I know he's worked with Liam Cohen before, but let's also be a little realistic about it. He worked with Liam Cohen for a month. Five it's games. not like yeah, yeah, five games. It's not like that. There is this long tenured relationship between Baker Mayfield and Liam Cohen. So you got the only familiar face he's going to have in the room is Thad Lewis uh, at quarterbacks coach, which it looks like he's going to retain that same position. Remember Thad Lewis did interview with a couple of different teams, the bills, the Raiders during this off season, but it looks like he's going to stay in Tampa Bay, which I think is good. Again, going back to that continuity thing, yeah. but coming from Grizzard, I, I think this is very fun. This is very interesting. He's got to gain a lot of respect, I, w- I would think, for um, you know going through three different coaching staffs. That doesn't happen all the time where you retain the same type of coach. And it's different than what Tampa Bay had with, oh, Bruce Aarons is stepping down and now Todd Bowles is the new guy because he had been there as well with, with all the same coaches that were in Tampa Bay at the time. With Miami, like, yes, you had Mike McDaniel, before that, it was completely different coaching staff. It wasn't like yeah. McDaniel got promoted from offensive coordinator to head coach or anything of that nature. He obviously had come from um, you have the 49ers to go to Miami. So I find it very interesting with Grizzard. I mean, no one's going to confuse Tua for Baker Mayfield, again, presumably, or Tua for Kyle Trask or whoever ends up being the next quarterback. But I'm curious – how much of that Dolphins passing game we'll see in this new offense with Rizard helping to run. It's still going to be Liam Cohen's call at the end of the day, because no matter how you feel about Miami, like I personally kind of think they're a candy ass soft type of team, but you can't argue the results that they had as an offense and really, you know, what they did as a passing team. Now, not every team has Tyreek Hill, but the ways that they would get Tyreek Hill open which was something that Liam Cohen worked with uh, having Cooper Cup. I think just there was so much motion. And we've talked about Cohen going to have more motion with this team, but even just little different gadgets of motion within what Miami was doing. Hopefully we'll see that resonate with the Buccaneers offense as well. And you can take getting Cooper Cup the ball, getting Tyreek Hill the ball, having another talented receiver like Jalen Waddle which the Bucs have with Chris Godwin and just taking all of this and, and molding it into their own little ball of success with the Buccaneers. Granted that Mike Evans is able to come back and Baker Mayfield or hopefully both of them. But another thing that I find interesting about this, and it's not even just Grizzard, it's, it's just the new offense. And I, I don't know how handcuffed Dave Canales was coming in at offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. but like Canals came in and he brought in Brad Isaac, who's his guy, and he became the wide it. receiver coach, and and that was it. But now with Liam Cohen, and I don't know if it's a because it's tough with the whole Canals becoming the head coach of the Panthers, and you got you know Goody and Gilbert go over to Carolina, but there's also been discussion that they weren't going to be retained in Tampa anyway. Liam Cohen is really having carte blanche to bring in different guys, to hire different guys. And obviously Todd Bowles is is in there as well, and Jason Light and coming up with these decisions. 
But I think what I find so intriguing about all this, Adam, is that there's a lot of different minds in this new offense, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's wide receivers coach or Liam Cohen calling the plays. And I love the idea that we can't really put our finger on anything and say, this is going to be the exact identity of the Buccaneers because you have different coaches and a different mindset overall than what we've seen in the, uh, the past couple of years. Yeah, I think you worded that really well. Um, I wanted to go back to the point that you made on uh, Jalen Waddle. So yeah, Rizard was actually the wide receivers coach uh, in 2020 and 2021. So when Waddle was coming in uh, from Alabama, he kind of helped his development along that path into becoming a solid number two wide receiver, maybe one of the best wide receiver twos in all the NFL, uh, yep. as he had to take a backseat to Tyreek Hill. But when you mentioned like the coaching staff and looking for an identity with all these various hires, what I like is that all these coaches are young. Uh, Grizzard, he's 34. You look around, you got Liam Cohen, he's 38. Uh, McClendon, yeah. he's a young guy. Like just so many young coaches bringing a different voice and a different coaching philosophy. I think that's refreshing. And I think the offense this year, it's going to have some continuity, but it's also going to be refreshed with that new perspective. Yeah, I think that's a great take, Adam, because the NFL is always evolving. It's always interchanging. Yeah. And I think for a long time, the NFL was just kind of a a good old boys league. Like, all right, you got fired here, but you end up, uh, you know, a lot of retreads. You have, yeah, a lot of retreads. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to hire a coach that has coached somewhere else. I mean, I think the Chiefs made the right decision by going after Andy Reid after he was let go. By yeah. the Eagles years ago, and and clearly, um, that turned out. And you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault any team. I know all the coaches have been decided now, but sorry, I feel sneeze coming. I, I wouldn't fault any team next season if they want to hire Mike Vrabel, who's not a coach right now, or Bill Belichick next year, or Pete Carroll, or something like that, because all those guys have been established and. They know what they're doing, and they've garnered a lot of respect, especially Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, who have won Super Bowls. I mean, we don't have to go on the resume yeah. of, of Belichick alone or even Pete Carroll for, for that nature. But I do think there is something about, one, going with the trends and, and advancing forward, and also getting ahead of the curve as well, which I think the Bucs are kind of doing a little bit with having a coach that has NFL and college experience and bringing in coaches that – Yes, some are familiar with Liam Cohen, but not everyone's familiar with Cohen. Brian McClendon doesn't have a background with uh, with Liam Cohen. This new guy, Josh Grizzard, does not have a background with Liam Cohen. Everyone thought the Rams were crazy at the time when they hired Sean McVay to be the their head yeah. coach, and clearly that paid off. You know, Shanahan going to the 49ers and seeing a new offense that really had not been seen before. Daniel in Miami. And now... And yeah, and well, you get McDaniel from there, from the 49ers, and he goes to Miami. Now you're seeing what Miami is doing, putting up 70 points against the Broncos and, and things of that nature. So um, I, I think it's good overall that the Bucks are in a spot, or at least trying to get to that spot of like new, innovative, finding something different with this team. Yeah, for sure. And uh, with, with so many question marks, building towards the future as well, like getting that young core in place, um, especially yes. with the young wide receivers. Those guys are going to be around for a couple of years. So having a young guy like Rizard coaching him up, it, it really can't hurt. 
No, it cannot. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the draft, and you had kind of talked about some of the receivers earlier. A number of receivers ended up on the list for the Buccaneers. Um, they revealed it today on their social medias. The Bucks' top 10 plays of yeah. the 2023 season. Thought it was a quite a fun one for sure. I understand everyone, you know, has the buck season in the rear view mirror. You're ready to move forward towards the draft and things like that. I also don't think it's the worst to, you know, occasionally reminisce on what overall, in my opinion, was a good season for the Buccaneers. So uh, just real quickly going down the list, the number 10 play was the David Moore touchdown, the catch and run against the Packers. Number nine. Oh. All right, got the uh, volume of the game as well. Number nine was the Antoine Winfield Jr. forced fumble at the goal line against the um, the Falcons. Number eight was when he did it against the Panthers in the Personally, last week of the regular season. I think both of those should be higher. I think I can understand the Falcons one. Yes. If the Bucs would have won, that should have been a lot higher. But the Panthers won. Yes. I, I mean, respectfully, that was a really great play. I agree with you. I thought it was a little too high at eight. Um, number seven was the game-winning touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield to Cade Otten with 37 seconds to go against the Falcons, which, again, at the time, it was a 5-7 and seven box against the 6-6 six and six Falcons with Atlanta having beaten Tampa Bay earlier in the year. So it was really important that the Bucs won that game. Uh, that came in at seven. Number six was a 70-yard catch and run by Mike Evans against the Bears. Evans did not score a touchdown on this play. He got pushed out of bounds. Uh, around the seven or eight yard line, but still 70 yards, big time play. Number five was a catch run by Mike Evans that did result in a touchdown. This was against the Panthers in Tampa Bay. Again, crucial moment at the time. The Bucks were down 10-7 with five minutes to go in the third. You remember it poured in the first half of that game. Then yep. the offenses started opening up in the second half. So Mike and it took was, it to the house for a huge catch and run and uh, was able to dive at the end. Sorry, Adam, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that dive at the end. Like, get some extra yeah. points on that one. Exactly. Some some style points for sure. Uh, number four, moving on, was the catch and run. By, uh, sorry, number four was Bucks eagles in the regular season when Mike Evans made a great one-handed catch over the middle. Um, this one kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because they were down 25-3 to three in the fourth quarter. So it was a sick play, but it didn't really have too much of an impact on the game. But nonetheless, a great catch by Mike Evans. Number three, the Shaq Barrett pick six right near the goal line uh, and scoring a touchdown against the Bears in week two. Again, part of the reason why it was so big was the fact that the Bucs were up 20-17 to 17 with 204 to go in the game. So Bucks are trying to close it out. Number two was Trey Palmer, his catch and run against the Eagles yep. in the playoff game. And then number one, also in that wild card game against the Eagles, the touchdown to Chris Godwin from Baker Mayfield with the score 25 to nine. This pretty much, uh, you know, put the dagger into the Eagles, put the bucks up. Uh, they ended up with that final score of 32 to nine. So, Overall, a lot of exciting plays, Adam. Just um, I know you gave a little bit of feedback, but your thoughts about that list? Yeah, I think overall it was a really solid list. Um, number one, you really can't go wrong with the Bucks playoff win, going with the, yeah. the play to secure it. It was a really nice play, by the way, with Mayfield like going off his back foot to throw it. 
And yes. Chris Godwin just so happened to be there. So I think those two plays were really good. One and two do think the Winfield ones could be a couple spots higher on that Mike Evans Panthers play. I'd probably put that three, but I can understand yeah. it being five. Yeah, I'm not trying to nitpick too much. I'm certainly not complaining. It's supposed to be a fun list. We don't need to get heated about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, all good plays. I would say, yeah, exactly, all good plays. So we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit. Um, and I do have a story on this that will be coming out on PeterReport.com. If there were some honorable mentions or ones that could make the list, and I think what's also important with these top plays is not just that they're good plays, but I think the magnitude of it as well. Like the Kate Otten play, on its own, it's like, all right, it was a solid play. But then when you add in that 37 seconds to go, you're down, it puts you ahead. Like, I, I think context is super important. Like that touchdown by Mike Evans against the Panthers. That is why if I were to take out one play on, on the top 10, I think it would be, I think it was play number seven or six. The 70-yard the catch and run to Mike Evans was yeah. a great play. Don't get me wrong. But, like, he didn't score on the play. And he kind of pushed the guy to catch the ball in the first place. I have a couple of suggestions that I would replace that play with that did not make the list. So these are my honorable mentions, if you will. Um, one of them, I'm trying to remember, I had four. Three of them are popping to my head. I might have to go back to that article real quick. But one of them is um, also from that Bucks bears game in week two. It's the touchdown that Mike Evans scored in the game. Because if you guys yeah. recall, it was a third and 14, if I'm not mistaken. And it was in the third quarter. Bucks were up 13 to 10, so it was still very close. A third and 14 and went about 32 yards. Baker threw it off his back foot, so it wasn't even like he was properly in the right spot to throw because he had to get rid of it before the, um, before the pass rush came. And Mike just got behind the defense, jumped, made the catch, Got it before the safety was uh, able to come over. So that's one play that I would have thrown in there. I think um, the interception by Will Golston, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, yep. might deserve some consideration. Again, like I get it, they lost the game. But in the moment, Anthony really Jr. Cool moment. Force blitzes, knocks the play down. Yeah, I mean, you don't see a defensive lineman getting interceptions really ever. So the fact that it was Will Golson, the guy that's been with the Buccaneers for so long, I think is uh, would have been a cool little nod. Like maybe put that at number 10 or something like that. Air Cecil with a great suggestion. I didn't even think of this Ooh, one. Yeah. Actually getting credit for stopping the tush push or the brotherly shove should be in there. I agree with that. If you want to put that on the list, I, I think that would be great too. Um, the two other ones I had were um, – also from that playoff game against the Eagles, the touchdown by David Moore. Um, I know yeah. it's kind of similar to the Packers game, but it put them up 10-0 at the time. It was only 3-0. Granted, it was in the first quarter, but he caught it on the left side and went for 32 yards, catch and run, start on the left side, cut into the middle, and reached the end zone. I think that one should deserve some recognition maybe. And then the last one I have, I know we already had the Packers game in there, but I think this kind of adds to just how great of a game it was for Baker Mayfield having a perfect passer rating. And that was his touchdown to Rashad White, where Rashad White lined yep. up in the backfield, ran a vertical route, got past the um, got past the 
weak side linebacker on the play and then made one guy miss after he caught the ball and scored a touchdown. I think that just kind of really did a good job of encapsulating the day that Baker Mayfield had. And maybe you just put that whole game on the list as number 10 and be like, hey, look, Baker balled out. But those would be some of my suggestions. Again, there's nothing wrong with uh, the list that was had. Just a couple of things I would have considered for sure. Yeah, off the top of my head, I was definitely going to say Rashad White. You got to put him in there somewhere just for his passing yeah. game skills. Uh, either the Packers game or I think the Saints game. Uh, they called like four verticals and they had Rashad White come out of the backfield. And like he made a really good play to score a touchdown. So Rashad White, put him in there somewhere. I think you have a, a nice list. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, um, a great list overall. Fun to kind of get back into it and look back at that season. Like I said, a, a number of things to consider. Kind of like how you got a lot of things to consider when choosing a Celsius energy drink which is the official energy drink of the Peter Report podcast. I say there's a lot of things to consider just because there's so many awesome, delicious flavors of Celsius to choose from, including their newest line of Celsius energy drinks, the Celsius Essentials. The Celsius Essentials are put together with 270 milligrams of caffeine. These are tall boy flavors. They uh, are a little bit bigger than the the regular cans. That's why they're called Tall Boys. Um, Check out their flavors, the Blue Crush, the Dragonberry, a couple of other great flavors of Celsius. It's an unbeatable combination of ingredients that support your physical and cognitive performances. You can get Celsius Essentials nationwide at 7-Elevens. You can also pick up their three-flavor variety packs over at Walmart and you can go on Amazon and pick them up as well. So if you're looking to find a Celsius or Celsius Essential, could be those Celsius Essential flavors. Maybe it's the OG flavors, the cucumber lime, the sparkling orange, sparkling watermelon. What else do we got out there? Um, the got strawberry the lemonade. Yeah, got the vibes. Strawberry lemonade is great. Arctic vibes, my personal favorite. Tropical vibe, awesome as well. Um, go to the Celsius store locator. Punch in your address and it'll tell you the closest location where you can pick up the Celsius energy drink. I know we'll be looking for them next week in Indianapolis. So make sure you do that so you can pick one up at your local health and fitness store, your Target, convenience store, or your bodega. Bodega. And once you keep going to your bodega and you know you love Celsius and you want to get more, That's when you go back to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save and have it uh, sent to your place of residence whenever you want. Could be a week, could be a month, don't matter. You're in charge. You're the captain now. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drink of PeterReport.com. Make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official energy drink of the Peter Report podcast. All right. It's right about that time to talk about the NFL draft and the combine. But first we got a super chat and you know, our rule, if you super chat us, we answer your question as soon as we possibly can. So want to give a big thank you to Kelly Dwight fields for the dollar 99 super chat. Thank you, Kelly KDF. I'll call you. Um, Do you think Joe Tryon Shoyanka will improve next year? Good question. Bit of a loaded question with Joe Tryon Shoyanka, yeah. and one that we can't 
fully answer just based on the gravity of the outside linebacker position for the Buccaneers. So um, for the Peter people watching right now or anyone that's going to be listening to us later or whenever at your convenience when you're watching or listening to this show, yesterday's episode, we talked all about um, cap casualties and who might get cut from the Bucks in order to um, create some more cap room and things of that nature. And one of the biggest guys we talked about was Shaq Barrett. Now, letting go of Shaq doesn't save the Bucks a ton of money. It really doesn't do much for the cap room. It just saves them from spending more money and putting more money towards Shaq Barrett. So with Shaq out of the mix, if they do decide to release Shaq, odds are the Bucks are still going to end up um, drafting an edge rusher in an early round could quite possibly be the first round too. With all of that said, if they decide not to go that route and they decide to not go in a free agency type of route, um, you do have JTS there that has starting experience, not the starting experience I think that everybody would want. So it's interesting looking at the season last season and looking forward to next season for JTS, because I still do think that there are positives with him. He stopped yeah. the run quite well. And when he got demoted and Yaya Diaby became the starter, Joe Trachanka upped his game. And I think he had five sacks last season, which technically was an improvement from what he did before. He had the big sack against the Panthers, a strip sack that last game of the regular season that got the bucks into the playoffs. So, do I think he can improve next year? Yes. Um, especially because it's going to be a contract year. They're not going to give Joe Trianchenko that fifth-year option that first-round picks get. So guys are te technically, or typically, I should say, motivated when they are in a contract season. Will he improve? He's had a lot of opportunities to improve, but now his back is really against the wall more than it ever has been. And I think that lit a fire in him a little bit last season when he did get his playing time decreased. I think he played better. Um, and now he's in a fighting opportunity to regain that starter role. It's not going to be handed to him by any means. I mean, really, the only guy yeah. you could pencil in at outside linebacker is Yaya Diaby to, to be a starter. And who knows how this draft will go. Yeah, uh, you make some great points there. When going over Joe Trianchenko, I still think he's young enough to develop. But you've kind of mm -hmm. been waiting for that development. Uh, you were looking at it in 2022, his second season. Could he be that 10th sack guy? Missed some opportunities. Last year, you're looking at it. Hey, can he solidify himself as that number two edge rusher? And he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit with Yaya Diaby really emerging yeah. as a starter. Now, when you're looking ahead uh, at this next season, you have Yaya and Joe Tryon, Shoenka playing on his fifth-year option. Mm -hmm. Will that motivate him? I think you make a great point. With his back against the wall, can he start to produce? He could, but you can't expect it at the same time. Yeah, and it's so funny because, like, after the – he was a rookie in 2021. Going into that 2022 season, I was as high as anyone on Joe yeah. Trianchenko. I mean, he looks the part, and there's just something missing with him – a little bit. And it's crazy to think, Adam. I did bring this up on yesterday's show, but I, I think it's important to reiterate. With what we think is going to happen to Shaq Barrett, and given that this could be Joe Trianchenko's last year in Tampa, 
Um, Anthony Nelson is also on the last year of his contract. So, yes, you got to go through this whole season and very, very long way to go. But next offseason, this outside linebacker room can look extremely different. Like, you're only going to have Yaya under contract. Yes, you'll have, like, Marquise Watts and Jose Ramirez. But, you know, Jose Ramirez was a seventh-round pick. Marquise Watts, while a lot of people like him, and you've written some stuff about Marquise Watts lately – he is a, yeah. an undrafted free agent for a reason. Maybe he's the next Bryce Huff, and that would be great for the Buccaneers. But outside of that, you're going to have a lot of new faces at outside linebacker for the Bucs next season. And it's just so odd to say out loud because there's been a lot of stability from that unit really since 2019 when it was Shaq and JPP. And sure, JPP left after 2021, and there are some moving parts season in and season out, but – that group was as rock solid as really any position the Bucks had on their roster. Yeah, a lot of those core guys from the Super Bowl are still there. Uh, you mentioned Anthony Nelson, Cam Gill. Like those guys have been around a while, and it's crazy to think about next season. It might just be Diaby looking around like, "Hey, where's everybody?" Yeah. <laughs> so it, it'll be interesting, and that kind of also reinforces the need for another edge rusher. Uh, and hey, no better time to start looking than at the NFL Combine. Absolutely, Adam. Fantastic segue right there. So let's start with outside linebacker and just the overall needs of the Buccaneers. So uh, outside linebacker clearly is one of them, especially if um, if Shaq Barrett is let go, kind of like how we project is going to happen. Some of the other needs for the Buccaneers and feel to, feel free to put in the comments, Peter, people, what you think is a need for the Bucs or the top need for Tampa Bay as well. And to your offensive line is, is clearly up there as well. Strong safety. I think uh, no pun intended is a safe bet to tight end and uh, running back as well. Probably the top needs for the Buccaneers and quarterback. If uh, you know, doesn't work yeah. with Baker Mayfield, but outside linebacker has been examined a lot by PeterReport.com. Um, in the first mock draft, Scott Reynolds goes with Alabama edge rusher Chris Braswell, Braswell, sorry, um, with his first round pick. And then in his second mock draft, 2.0, he has um, the Bucks taking Penn State outside linebacker Adisa Isaac in round two. So SR pulling no punches right away with these uh, outside linebacker picks going in round one and round two. I mean, how likely is it that the Bucs go with outside linebacker that early in the draft? To me, I think it's likely. When you're looking at uh, edge rusher, you need that guy that can come in and produce, uh, whether that's replacing Shaq Barrett, maybe taking the role of Joe Tryanshenka. They need that guy that can transform the defense. Um, recently, I wrote about how the Bucs can take the next level, and that really starts with having that TJ Watt, Miles Garrett level of player where defenses really have to game plan against them and it gives everyone else around them opportunities. So uh, you mentioned Braswell and Isaac, uh, two guys we actually saw at the Senior Bowl. They're going to be kind of on our radar as Bucks targets at the Combine. But I'm also curious uh, to see Jared Verse from FSU. Mm -hmm. He's somebody, if he falls to 26, he could be a great option. Uh, Dallas Turner, uh, Braswell's Alabama teammate, he could be an option. And Chop Robinson uh, yeah. played alongside Adisa Isaac. I, I'm really curious to see how he tests. Uh, I, I noted that he ran a 4.47 before this past college season 
edge rusher. That's like blazing speed. Yeah, yeah, that so, is. So, I mean, there, there's quite a few options. Is there anyone in particular you have your eye on? Yeah, so Jared Verse, and, you know, granted, I watch a lot more Florida State than I do some of the other schools, so I don't want this to come off as, like, bias and homer, but I, I enjoyed the story of Jared Verse so much. He played yeah. at the University of Albany, uh, SUNY Albany, which stands for State University of New York. I have friends that went to SUNY Albany, so I'm oh, a little really bit cool. more familiar with that school than I think a lot of people are. And I'm telling you right now that, you know, there's not a historic history of uh, University of Albany um, with college football. So to see a guy go from that school to Florida State and not just go from a school like that to a well-known D1 program, but the way he ripped apart offensive linemen and just opponents in general his last two seasons was really something to behold. And, you know, there were a lot of people that said Jared Verse should have went to the draft after last season, and he still came back probably in pursuit of a national championship, which we've had that discussion already about what happened with Florida State. But I also felt that was very important for him because, you know, his his 20 – what year are we now? 2024. So his 2022 season, his first year with Florida State, he kind of burst onto the scene and everyone was like, whoa, like who is this guy? You know, granted NIL transfers a lot more common, but again, coming from Albany, that's just not something you see all the time. But coming back for 2023, when everyone goes, oh, all right, he's the top guy. He's the top dog. Now he's got to deal with like double teams and chips and just being the top pass rusher where everybody has to account for you. I think that's another building block and, and something that might get overlooked kind of when you get into the NFL. Cause when he gets drafted odds are whatever team he goes to, they're already going to have a top pass rusher or another guy that, you know, teams have to account for. So I almost felt that Jared verse, you kind of already know what he can do as a pass rusher and he's crazy quick as well. And, um, you know, has a good arsenal of pass rushing moves. I actually think he greatly developed his game in terms of stopping the run and how to examine an offense and what kind of system the offense is running. Because I think last year, again, just like watching some tape and watching, um, sorry, my hair is all over the place, and watching some, um, you know, the games as well, he's pointing stuff out and saying, like, it's a sweep this way, it's a sweep this way. Uh, way more than he did the year before. So I actually think staying back at Florida State, while, yes, it helped the defense because he's a great player, um, actually helped develop him as an overall full, complete player than just, hey, this is a dude that um, can pass rush. So I'm very excited about him. Chop Robinson is a very interesting case. I mean, already an intriguing guy, like doesn't wear any tape, doesn't wear gloves, like literally just – puts on the helmet and uniform and, and uh, you know, heads out there and, and kind of does his thing. So uh, if Jared verse drops to when the bucks are picking at what, 26 or whatever it is. Um, yeah. I think you have, I think it's a no brainer. You take Jared first, you add in a little bit of the fact that, okay, he is, he played at Florida state. It's a little more polarizing, whether a Gator or a Seminole comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think that would be big time if they were able to get him. I'm very, very, very 
intrigued by Leitu Latu, the edge rusher oh, yeah. from UCLA, because got to, we all got to see him up close and personal at the Senior Bowl. I think he did a really good job um, against the competition. He is lightning quick, lightning, oh, yeah. lightning quick. But as Matt W says, first of 26, no, that won't happen. Hey, you never know. You never know, especially if there's a lot of offense that goes early in the draft. But I can't help but feel, just again, I test watching Leitu Latu, and he's got a pretty good swim move as well. So he's not just like, hey, I'm going to beat you off the snap with my first step. Part of me just feels like he's not big enough to be an edge rusher. He's very slim. He's lanky. He's a little bit of a string bean. And I just feel yeah. like, like Leitu Latu against Tristan Wirfs, I feel like Tristan Wirfs would rip his head off. Like he's just that's fair. Kristen's that quick. He's that powerful. Or Leitu Latu against um like Pene Sewell. I think Sewell will rip him apart lip, limb from limb. I'm very sorry to UCLA fans and Leitu Latu, but like is his quickness enough? And obviously, like he'll go into the weight room and he'll try to get bigger. But his his just body composition, I don't know if he can like hold up as a fierce edge rusher so he's like a guy that i'm just very intrigued by because there's a lot of um really great intangibles about him and then one other guy we also saw him at the senior bowl uh someone had him in the in the comments before he's listed as a defensive tackle but at the senior bowl he lined up at edge rusher a, a lot so i think he can play a little bit of everywhere that's darius robinson from uh missouri i thought as mark says uh Latu's moves are quick. I don't think he'll test athletically fast. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Robinson was a guy that he's he has the size that I'm looking for. Maybe could be a tick faster, but he's he's got power for days and days and days. So Robinson certainly is is another dude that I'm like, all right. If you put together all the pieces, he's the whole package. And the fact that he can line up anywhere, I mean, that's a dream to Todd Bowles. He loves. Loves those type of players. Yeah, and Robinson, I think he's like 285 pounds. Yeah, he could too. even be like, he's a little bit bigger than Klyja Kansi, to put that yeah. in perspective. <laughs> and the fact that he could either come off the edge, I really like him in a 3-4 being that other defensive lineman. You'd you'd be set if you had Robinson, Kansi, and Vea up front. I mean, that's oh, a yeah. really, really good defensive line. And I think secretly that could be another need. Um, let's say Latu I and Verse are off the board at 26. I mean, hey, you're you're still looking for that pass rusher. There isn't that transformative dude there. Hey, Darius Robinson, he could be a great plug-and-play guy who could have a lot of production. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Because defensive tackle, I'm all for, you know, building it through the edge and, and everything like that. I'm also a pretty big advocate for the Buccaneers in general this season. Not like it's not my NFL philosophy if I was a GM building any team. But I'm right. And I know I praised him before with the interception he had. I'm fine if the Bucs want to get younger and more youthful across the entire defensive line with guys that they know will be in a solid rotation. I like Will Golson. I thought he was better this year than last year. And I like Greg Gaines. You know, Greg Gaines showed that he can get after the quarterback a little bit. But if you look at, like, the long-term future of the Buccaneers, and you got a great one-two combo with Kalijah Kansi and Vita Vea. But yep. after that, 
what do you really have? Like Greg Gaines, awesome chemistry with the team. I'm fine if they re-sign him. He's obviously a former Washington Husky. He's tight with Vita Bea. He's tight with JTS. Kate Otten on the other side. By the way, congratulations to Kate Otten and his wife. They announced that uh, his wife is pregnant with a baby. Hmm. So uh, shout out to them. But he's going to be one-year contract after one-year contract after one-year contract. You know, like he's not <laughs> he's he's not going to get a four-year deal. Like, oh, he's going to be in Tampa for quite a while. I would rather the Bucks start now with you got Bea, you got Kalijah Kansi in there. Um, you know, Deidre Sanat is a guy that's been there for a couple of seasons. You're not going to ask him to play more, but you have some stability there. I'm all for having guys that are going to play a substantial amount, like those backups after Vea and Kalijah Kansi, because the Bucks do rotate their D-line. They do have Logan Hall as well, and I guess he's a big, you know, he's a big key into all of this. I... I I'm fine with them drafting another D lineman second or third round and just keep that rotation going, keep it youthful. And you can kind of move on from, uh, from Will Golston and, um, and Greg Gaines, if they so choose that they can't get them for the right price that they want to get. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. I did want to ask you uh, another need sticking with the defense. Uh, how about defensive back? Uh, Josh Capo wrote an article recently about Carlton Davis perhaps being traded do you see that if that's were to happen also being a need kind of for the same point because you have jamel dean zion mccollum who else you know like could they draft another defensive back and based on what we saw at the senior bowl matt i think there's a lot more depth and at that position than people really think yeah so in terms of like carlton davis getting traded in a perfect world, yes, they could trade him to a team that is maybe looking for a CB1 or a CB2, depending on who their CB1 is. The problem is is that Carlton's costing, I believe, $14 million, where it, that's a lot of money to take on, especially if he's not going to be a CB1. If he's only just going to be a CB2, that's a lot of money to pay to your second-string cornerback. Um, I do think... Because if they do cut him, we talked about on yesterday's show, it'd be $6.39 million that they save. If it was $8 million, I think it's more likely that they go, all right, we're, we got to cut Carlton. Like, we're saving yeah. $8 million. But the fact that it's $2 million less, I don't think it's a guarantee that Carlton is, is out of Tampa Bay. But I, it's not a shocker, shocker by any means if that's the, um, if that's the way that they go. It was encouraging to see some of the cornerback play this season in college football, the senior bowl as well. Kyrie Jackson was a dude that I was watching a lot. Tall, lanky, could get his hands on the football very, very fast. And if the Bucs are going to take a corner really anywhere in the secondary, I think they have to, they have to get a guy that is a ball hawk. I don't care if he gets burned in coverage. I really don't. They got to get a guy that can take the ball away because you got another cover, cover guy in Jamel Dean. Zion McCollum proved that he can be a starter. But what happens if Zion goes down or Jamel Dean, who gets injured every single season? What do you do after Jamel Dean? Do you put Dee Delaney in there? I'm fine with that for like two games. But do you trust Dee Delaney for a full 17 game season? I don't necessarily know. Where do you go after that? 
that's the big question for the Buccaneers. And um, it's tough with Carlton again because he doesn't take the ball away and he is injured. He's good when he's in. If he only had one of those issues, if, if it was yeah. either just gets injured or he plays a lot but doesn't take the ball away, I don't even think we're having this conversation. But the fact that it's both is is what the biggest issue is. Yeah, he hasn't really played a full season, uh, if my memory serves correctly, throughout his career. And then you kind of already have that with Jamel Dean, too, kind of the same story where the availability is a question mark. I mean, Zion McCollum stepped in, played the most of any cornerback yeah. for the Bucs this season. And mentioning McCollum, I think it's funny, like a what if, because in the fifth round when the Bucs picked him, uh, Tariq Wollin went just before him, yeah. <laughs> and so did Deron Bland from the Cowboys. Right. And both of those guys are like two of the best playmakers at the position. It's like if you had one of those guys instead, I mean, crazy. the secondary would be in such a better shape in having that playmaker. Uh, but to your point, I think corner could be a really big need. Um, two guys at the combine that we didn't see at the senior bowl would be Cooper DeGene uh, from Iowa. Yep. And then Nate, Nate Wiggins from Clemson, I think could both be first round options. But at the same time, it's not the biggest need. Uh, I think edges and then also the interior offensive line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of good choices there and definitely a need for sure. I'll tell you this. If uh, you're in the need of buying a home and you're working with realtors, you need someone that you are going to get along with that you can work with together and then ultimately can get you the dream house that you are looking for. And if you're going to be doing so, I cannot recommend enough working with Eric and Caitlin Gross of the Eric Gross Realty Group, the official realty group of pewterreport.com. It takes a full-team effort to win a football game, and it takes a full-team effort to win in real estate. The Eric Gross Group has done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market and has experience in all types of situations. Eric is an avid Pewter Report reader, with a Tampa native whose father was stationed at McDill Air Force Base. He and his team have the market knowledge, top-notch communication, and commitment to excellent service that helps set them apart. With their strong team of vendors and a network of over 85,000 agents, the Eric Rose Group will turn your dream of buying or selling a home into a reality. Their clients are not just transactions, they are lifelong friendships. Don't let the stress of buying or selling a home keep you out of the game. Let the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group. Check out their website at housesinfla.com or give them a call at 513-907-4271. That's housesinfla.com and their number is 513-907-4271. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you'll feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realty group of pewterreport.com. Shout out to Eric. He's been on the show a couple of times. Great knowledge of the Buccaneers and a huge fan. And Looking forward to having him on again soon. Adam, let's talk a little bit about the offensive side of the football. Uh, biggest needs, we've already spoke about a little bit, but any players that – Kind of catch your eye that you would like to see the Buccaneers pursue. At any position on offense? 
Yeah, anywhere, man. Have at it. Okay. Carp Blanche. Ooh, all right. So there's a few names I'm thinking of. Uh, running back, not the biggest need. Uh, a lot of the guys, uh, prospect-wise, maybe profile is late day two, early day three. Uh, but Wisconsin's Braylon Allen uh, is a big power back, 238 pounds. Mm-hmm. Really curious to see how he tests. He could run in the four fours, which at that that size, I mean, you would take all day. And having that power back complements Rashad White is really intriguing. Uh, Blake Corum had 27 touchdowns, 27 for Michigan last yeah. season. Right. Uh, Trey Trey Benson from Florida State, another mm-hmm. Seminole. Uh, Ray Davis, uh, the Liam Cohen connection, and then also really good receiving back Frank Gore Jr. Ah, another damn. Frank Gore. You took mine. I'm like, well, he's got NFL blood in him. And let's see, the last time the Bucs drafted a player whose dad was in the NFL, it kind of worked hey. with Anton Winfield Jr., so why not go back to that well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, great point. Uh, but those five running backs, I think, all offer something different, and each could be a really intriguing option. Yeah, no question about it. I, I really like the Gore one for sure. Um, a couple of guys I would consider. One of them we saw, uh, kind of going with the Brian McClendon connection here. McClendon obviously was with Georgia. So I think Dejon Edwards, who we got to see at the Senior Bowl, could be a guy. Uh, has some receiving prowess and can kind of lay the lumber down a little bit as well. Um, the other Georgia running back Kendall Milton, I think is would be an exciting type of player. So um, those are two running backs that I kind of have my eye on. I know um, Josh Capo and Scott are pretty big on Kimani Vidal from Troy. Uh, yep. I think they, they saw some things in him. Bucky Irving, of course, as I rock my Bucky shirt today out of Oregon is uh, another guy to keep an eye on for the, uh, the draft and the senior bowl. But I want to talk a little bit about the wide receivers because there is a wealth of of wide receivers this year. And I think wide receivers should be big on the Bucks board, regardless of what is decided about Mike Evans or really what Mike Evans decides, um, because we know how the Bucks feel. If Mike is back, let me retract that. If Mike does not return, I think honestly, you go wide receiver in the first round. I agree. Because I don't, and we'll see what happens with free agency and that comes first. So by the time the draft gets here, we'll kind of know the the wide receiver room for the Buccaneers. But as it stands right now, I think we like the potential of Trey Palmer. He definitely had his moments, you know, last year with with what he could do uh, for the team, that touchdown against the Eagles that we talked about earlier. But the idea of like Chris Godwin is wide receiver one, Trey Palmer is wide receiver two, Rakim Jarrett three, Devin Tompkins four. Each of them are a spot too high there, in my opinion. Exactly, Adam. Exactly. So you need a guy to come in. Keon Coleman, I would absolutely love. Um, He's got the speed. He can do some punt returner stuff. Um, Balled out at Florida State last year. Um. Who is the uh, the Washington wide receiver Romeo Dunze? I don't know if he'll be there when when the Bucks are on the clock, but he's a guy that uh, really really excites me. Absolutely, Johnny Wilson also from Florida State. He's got gigantic size. I worry about his speed a little bit yeah. and his route running, but he has the size and he had a fair amount of drop. So 
he's a guy that I wouldn't take early, but you know, it, it, say Mike is back and you got that secure. If Johnny Wilson's there in like the fifth round, I, I think Johnny Wilson would be kind of interesting just given his overall size. And um, another dude, he was on the cover as well. Ricky Pearsall, just oh, yeah. flashy, tons of speed, can jump, get after the football. Um, another guy that was very, very exciting. Obviously, Brendan Rice, we we talked about before, the son of Jerry Rice. Um, Malik Neighbors, I really enjoy, but he's not going to oh, be yeah. there. At, at, he's not going to be there when, when the box draft. But again, just exciting, exciting player to watch. Um, a lot of great options, though, wide receiver. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Brian McClendon. So there's three names uh, that you didn't mention that our coach under McClendon at some point in their college career, I think would be intriguing. Uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Lade McC- Lad McConkey from Georgia. Yes, and then you got the Georgia connection again. Yeah, and then also uh, Donnie Mitchell. Uh, even though he went to Texas, he spent the 2022 season at Georgia, and mm-hmm. he's six foot four. And he kind of profiles as that like a second round guy. There's so many wide receivers in like the 40 to 50 range. Yep. Uh, definitely could maybe see him as a second second round target. But there's so many wide receivers. It's kind of like pick your flavor. Uh, what yes. kind of receiver you want? You want that slot guy, uh, the the speed, the size. I mean, there's so many options to consider. I think the Bucks should draft a wide receiver, but a lot of that does depend on Mike Evans. It does, absolutely. And whichever new wide receiver that they pick, you might be able to uh, choose the higher or lower on their stats over on Underdog Fantasy when football season comes around. But you don't have to wait until football season. Underdog Fantasy has props and all that fun stuff for all the major sports. The NBA is back tonight. My New York Knicks play against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. I think the Bucs play tonight, too, the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, do that? Yeah, I know Damian Lowered, man, took over yeah. the All-Star weekend. He did. It was Dame time. I actually bet a little bit on uh, Dame to win All-Star game MVP, so I was oh, happy awesome. to see that. Um, anyway, so you can do it for the NBA. The NHL is in full swing. Um, yeah, all the major sports for underdog fantasy. Use that promo code PEWTER. That's P-E-W-T-E-R. Uh, you just pick on a number of different stats, could be higher or lower on points in an NBA game or for specific players or number of shots by a hockey player. I know I was at the Lightning game the other night, Tampa Bay against Ottawa. I kept saying that. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Disturbed. Um, but anyway, yeah, use the promo code Pewter. It's P-E-W-T-E-R. Get a first deposit bonus over at Underdog Fantasy and start playing today. Ottawa! <laughs> I could not stop saying that the other night. It sucked that the Lightning lost because they've been playing terribly lately and had good seats for the game, but they lost. But anyway, um, let's talk about that offensive line, Adam, as we yeah. wrap up the show. Um, I think there's two big names out there. Those are the guys that I've paid attention to. But your, your thoughts there. Yeah, so uh, obviously JPJ and Graham Barton are going to be two names to watch at the Combine. Uh, First-round guys, plug-and-play starters. Looking past that, though, I think seeing Zach Frazier, uh, seeing how he does, we didn't really see him too much at the Senior Bowl. Right. Uh, Cedric Van Pran, uh, the Georgia center, again, that Georgia connection. Uh, could be intriguing as maybe round three, round four. And then you also have Troy Fatanu, uh, the Washington guard, or the Washington tackle, but he's projected with his arm size, I think it's 32 yeah. inches, kind of being that left guard. And I'm still going to stick with the point that I think the Bucks should go with a veteran center if Jackson Powers Johnson isn't available because you kind of want that communication leading the uh, middle of the offensive line. But when it comes to the guards, 
could see like Jason Light doing Jason Light things, you know, getting that tackle, moving him inside to guard. Could see that as an option as well. Yeah, it's always tough with some of these offensive linemen that are like tackles. It's like, will they move into guard? Like, is it dependent on the team itself? Like a guy such as like Roger Rosengarden from Washington, I really like. Yeah. Um, he's probably going to stay an offensive tackle, though. Um, and uh, who was it? Fuunga from Oregon State was another guy that like tackle, but he, he has played other positions. Like, will he move to a different spot? Um, it's kind of always beauty is in the eye of the beholder when it comes to that situation. But those are some guys that, uh, you know, have had some moments during this this draft process. I kind of feel like it's, you know, Powers Johnson and Barton or bust when it comes to yeah. the Bucks because there's no doubt that they have to um, upgrade that position uh, over at center. And if you want to upgrade your finances, make sure that they're in the best position possible it's best to work with Muni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. That's right. Amuni Financial has proudly been serving clients across the country since 1980. They got advisory services, investment banking, annuities, and sales and trading. They can help set up a college account for your child as well. And the cool thing is they got Amuni Financial all over, not just in Colorado, not just in Tampa. You can be in Indianapolis. You can be in Dallas. You can be in Oregon. You can be anywhere, really, or, you know, Somewhere like uh, Connecticut, too. So check out Immuni Financial. Give them a call. Get a free consultation. It cannot hurt at all. So please help out our sponsors, including Immuni Financial. Give them a call and uh, get that free consultation today. All right, guys. We have a ton of great stuff coming up. There will be no show on Monday as we jettison over to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. So no show on Monday, but we will have shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So we're just shifting everything a day. Um, and Tuesday's show, a very, very big one. That'll start at prime time at 7 o'clock. We will hear from Todd Bowles and Jason Light their thoughts on the offseason, what their plans are with the Bucks heading into 2024, the 2024 season. It already is this year. And uh, what the plans are for the Bucks. So a lot of great stuff. We're going to have tons of coverage and content from the Combine as well. So you can follow us on all of our social media on X, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Pewter Report. And our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV, where we do the podcast, where we do different clips, opinions, analysis, and obviously footage from the Bucks facility and other events like the Senior Bowl and the NFL Combine. So a lot of great stuff coming up. Stay tuned to pewterreport.com for more. But that's going to do it for us on today's show. For Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you on Tuesday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Have a great weekend. Peace out. Out.